0: This is a kind of a summer experiment, but the summer experiment is proving to be really quite engaging and quite exciting for many of us who are part of it. You see, one of the things that's most important to the life of Apex is something that has a long title, but is enormously important. The long title is this, The Democratization of Biblical Revelation the democratization of biblical revelation. One of the problems that the church has had really for the last 1700 years since Emperor Constantine made the church official is that we have tended to put certain people in positions of spiritual authority so that they are able to guide and help us. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But generally, the net effect has been that the majority of people who call themselves Christians rely on a small number of people to hear God through. And the objective of Jesus is that every disciple is able to hear his voice and to respond to him on a daily basis. So one of the things that we do here at APEX is to ensure that all of us are trained and coached in what it means to hear God's voice and what it means especially to hear God's voice through the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures are the means by which we really understand what it is that God is saying to us. He's speaking to our hearts. He's speaking to you right now internally by his spirit. If you've surrendered to Jesus, then his spirit has come to dwell within you. And of course, he's there to guide you, to bring you the peace of Jesus, but to ensure that you hear his voice. And so here at Apex, we're gonna use lots and lots of different methods and tools, models and understandings that help us get at what it means to hear God's voice and put into practice the things That he's saying to us so during the summer we've got this little um, spiritual experiment going on which we call discovery bible community we have two people on microphones and today that's Becky and Eric if you want to come just make sure that the microphones are on Becky if you grab that one I know you know how to switch them on and then Eric if you come and grab this one wherever you are he's not got raptured there he is I thought we had microphone people sent to heaven, Eric, there for a minute. So we've got Eric and um, and Becky. And um, what we'll do is we'll read the passage today, which is a sober and awesome passage. and And what we'll do is we'll read it. We'll have some quiet reflection on it. We'll read it to ourselves quietly. And then once we've had that little moment of quiet, we'll just share with one other person the thing that catches our attention in the text and that will be, be beginning that'll be the beginning of what it is that we call the discovery portion of our time together today so let's look at this the screen up there gives you some ideas of how it is that we're to operate and uh, I'll remind you of those as we're going along let's uh, Let's look at this passage together. John chapter 19 and verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it on a sponge, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies to be left on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken of, and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, They will look on the one they have pierced. So let's look at this passage again, just in, in the quiet either on the screen or on your phones. We've gathered up the paper Bibles because we've got a a little plan for those that we'll share with you over the next couple of weeks. But um, if you don't have a Bible on your phone, then, then just have a look here on the screen. We'll spend a couple of minutes looking at that. And just ask yourself this, what is it that is highlighted to you in the passage that makes you think, hmm, that's important? Let's read it together in the quiet. okay so what was it that struck you in the passage it's a, a very very important place in the scriptures in many ways the fulcrum of all of human history is balanced on this point point. and so that sense of soberness that sense of gravitas that you perhaps feel right now is an indication of how important this passage is but but God is speaking to you personally What is it in the passage that struck you? Just turn to one other person and share with them right now. Just turn to another person and share with them. talk okay all right now one of the great things about this moment is that we make sure that we just hold this particular rule and this particular rule is this when we share with the wider group We're only gonna share what it is that's in the text. This is not our opportunity to share our biblical knowledge. It's a great thing to have biblical knowledge. It's a great thing to study the Bible. It's an important thing to understand the full counsel of God as it's spoken of in the entirety of scripture. But what we're gonna do now is to ensure that we maintain a kind of knowledge power balance by ensuring that if there are people here who've only ever read the Bible once in their life, They're going to feel exactly the same as you as we look at this passage together, and so we're only going to share what it is that's in the text that we're looking at. But having said that, I know that there are things that you've kind of seen in there, and I'd love to hear them, and I'd love to relate them and put them up on the board. So we've got Becky here on this side of the uh, auditorium. We've got Eric here on this side of the auditorium. Just put your hand up if you can see something in the text that you'd like to share with other people. Come on, right there. Oh, we got one up there first. I don't see that hand, but I sure you do. Oh, there you go. And then we can come down here, and we've got someone there in a minute. Yeah, very good. You have to tell us your name, and then tell us what it is you see.
1: Hi, I'm Nate. Um, I was curious if it was possible that the Jews specifically asked that his legs would be broken so that the prophecy
0: would not be, Oh, interesting, interesting. So we've got we've got Jewish leaders. Yeah, and they are trying to stop prophecy. Is that fair enough to put it like that? And we're putting a question mark against that because it's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? Thanks, Nate. That's really good. Over here. Who's this?
1: My name's Bird, and I was just really interested that it says he handed over the spirit rather than his spirit.
0: Yeah. So just say that again so that I hear exactly what it is that you're saying, Bird, that you think's interesting.
1: interesting. Um, how it says that, like, when he died, he handed over the spirit rather than his spirit.
0: Okay. So he he kind of handed over the spirit. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've got Jesus. And does it say in your Bible, handed over, or does it mean, or does it say, yeah? So handed over the Spirit. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, that? Hey, we've got some interesting stuff going on here. That's fun. What about over here? Come on, tell us your name
1: my name is Adrian Um, after Jesus had received the drink he said it is finished and since he was already dead the soldiers um, uh, didn't break his legs since he had already suffered enough
0: right okay so so Jesus receives the drink so here's the thing when you say he received the drink At the beginning of the crucifixion, I know I'm doing something here that I've told you you're not allowed to do, but I'm the pastor, okay, so it's okay. (laughs) I'm I'm just doing this so that we kind of think through what's going on with Jesus here. At the beginning, they offer him a form of anesthetic that is given to people who are gonna be crucified to kind of numb the pain. Jesus said, I don't want that. But at the end of the process, they offer him a form of drink that people in those days would often receive when they're completely parched. Now, if Jesus is going to shout with a loud voice, it is finished, he's not going to be able to do that if he's got a completely parched voice, is he? And so he receives the drink and then says what it is that he needs to say. Yeah? And that's kind of what it is that you're after there and I think it's kind of interesting that. Good, love it. So we're kind of digging into the text now, we're kind of getting a hold of it. Over here, tell us your name. I'm James. Yeah. And the thing that stood out to me, although you just spoke to it interestingly, was uh, it says in that first
1: verse, Jesus um, knowing everything was done and to fulfill prophecy said I'm thirsty and got It's interesting, I I just wonder, is he conscious in that moment of, hang on, haven't had that
0: drink yet, we've got to fulfill this
1: prophecy. Yeah,
0: interesting. So, Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies about the crucifixion. So I just put it like this consciously, yeah? Jesus fulfilling all prophecies consciously, yeah? Is that the kind of thing? Great. What about over here? Yeah, tell us your name. Hi,
1: I'm Sarah. Hi. Um, What I noticed was even though he was already gone and he had passed, they still pierced his side.
0: Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? So we've got the soldiers there, got some other characters, haven't we? Even. Though dead they pierced his side and Sarah what just uh, is there a microphone still with you <laughs> no. it's gone uh, any any thoughts as to why it almost seems like just the bitter resentment. Oh okay so you think that there was a lack of final little thrust kind of thing yeah interesting interesting yeah very good where, where are we now over there hey so in connection with the you've got to tell us your name um jeremy jeremy um, i remember you from last time because i got your yeah. name so badly wrong yeah. thank you jeremy but yeah just you know obviously
1: just trying to really think about each each of the words there and whenever he said i am thirsty." Um, we don't have the full picture because of the, just the one uh, translation of John but yeah. um, this is part of the story where Jesus and other texts said you know father why have you forsaken me Yeah, and we understand that that is kind of a moment where God in a sense turned his back away from uh-huh. Jesus because of his you know the sin Right. so it makes me wonder if because of that moment where he is being turned away, that he now is aware of his physical thirst because oh, of his okay. connection with the Father. Okay. He, uh, yeah. You know, even though we get thirsty physically, spiritually, he, yeah, he yeah. wasn't thirsty, but in that moment he was.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: it's a very multi-layer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that, so the, the, let me just try and hear what I think Jeremy's saying here. So Jeremy's saying, look. On the cross, Jesus has suffered complete alienation and separation from God because that's the the thing that he's doing on our behalf so that his alienation means that we don't have to be separated from God. But now maybe that moment has passed because that moment of dereliction has, has passed. He comes back, as it were, conscious of his physical self knowing that that moment having passed, it's now completed. The journey is completed, and he's able to say it's finished. Is that basically what you're saying there, Jeremy? Don't you think that's it? I think we need a round of applause for that, because it's a really, no. don't you think that's a kind of an insightful thing? So, um, So the moment of separation, has passed everything fulfilled. Wow. Cool. I love it. Where else are we, Eric? You've got somebody over there, that lady there. Would you tell us your name, ma'am?
1: Yes, my name is Kay. Um, Hello, Kay. This I heard from another lesson somewhere, so it's not my idea, but when they pierced his side, and blood and water poured forth. Yeah. Uh, in this, uh, in scientific, this lesson was about scientific death. Yeah. And when the heart dies and it breaks, it it actually separates and right. the plasma yeah. and the water go differently in different directions. But it proved not only in future generations who totally believe in everything scientific that his body had died. That's right. And also that his heart broke for us. That's
0: right. So, so, the reason that this is so important to the text, and I think Kay has just pointed that out to us, is that if a person's really dead, then there are certain things that begin happening in the body that would be understood by everybody in those days. I mean, we don't see dead bodies, and we don't kind of engage with that kind of reality to life because it's all been sanitized for us, but, but everybody in those days would be very, very conscious of the marks and the signs of death and one of those signs is the separation of the component elements of blood so that it looks like it's water and blood the red and the clear and that's what they see when they pierce his side and so everybody's able to know that Jesus really is dead is that a fair is that a fair kind of summary of what you're saying there okay good all right let me try this then I'll do it like this Blood and water meant real death. And you can decide as you're listening to this, why would that be so important? Why is it so important that Jesus really died? Just have a little think about that yourself, because it's obviously very, very important to the person who's writing the text because they're there as an eyewitness and they're saying, hey, I really saw this. This is really important, I hope you get it. He really did die. Over here. My name's Greg. Hey, Uh, Greg. The thought that came to me was um, um, personal mission completion. Hmm, love it, love it. Personal, mission, completion. I mean, Jesus didn't get one of those old tape players, did he? In a box that said, your mission, <laughs> if you're willing to accept it. I mean, he didn't get that, yeah. but he did get to the end of the process and know that it was completed, yeah? Good. Last one. Have we got one over here somewhere? Okay, Rebecca. Good
1: morning, I'm Rebecca. And Okay, so mine's a little off. Um, but we were talking about the Jesus knowing that it was finished. Yeah. And I can't help but think doesn't he knows that he's going to be in the earth for three days, right? Uh-huh. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. So my, you know, I don't really have a statement except for, what's that? What's
0: yeah. Like so. Him? So let me uh, let me interpret that then if I may, Rebecca. So Jesus Jesus knows it is finished but what begins Yeah. kind of that curiosity that you're expressing there is the thing, isn't it? Because if it's finished, and he knows that it's finished, and it's all done, so what's the next thing? Yeah, why not the resurrection? Yeah, yeah, so why is the resurrection not the finish? So it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that it is finished, and Jesus knows that it's finished, and yet we know that he's going to be in the grave, and that next week, well, actually three days, but you know, next week, Um, he gets to rise again. So that's a kind of an interesting question too. All right. Let's just have one minute. I'm going to do a little reflection and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Let's just have one minute. You look at the board up here. I'll try to identify the various different things on here. What is it that you're taking away with you today? And more importantly, what is your intention for this next week based on what it is that you've read and heard today? Just have a moment's quiet and then I'll get you to share with the person that you shared with at the beginning. But just a moment's quiet. What is it that you're taking away from today and what are you putting into practice? share with one other person the thing that you think is your intention for this week what are you going to do about what you've heard today of you had a chance to share with one another? Okay. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, as I've said already at the beginning, is, is the fulcrum on which all of human history is balanced. And the reason for that is that in this moment that we've had recorded for us in the words of John, which of course builds and and Elaborates on the picture that we get from the other Gospels and for that matter the rest of the New Testament helps us to see some of the details of the death of Jesus that perhaps we wouldn't have seen before. But this, this moment on which all of human history is balanced is balanced here because of what it is that Jesus did and then said about what he did. Let me, just, um, let me just put a word up here. It's the English version. I was going to put it on the other side of the board, but I thought I'd keep it on here so that we can see it all and you can get a photograph at the end and take it away with you and continue to reflect this week. The word is tetelestai, tetelestai. It's the Greek word that's used here in the text, and it's a really, really interesting and important word. It's used twice, once at the beginning of the text that we read today, when it says, Jesus knew that everything was tetelestai, and then, as his very last word, he says tetelestai. Now, we translate it into an English phrase, it is finished, but actually it's a singular word. Jesus takes a drink. He's able to find his voice again. And beyond a whisper, with a, with a shout, he cries, tetelestai. Now, if you're an accountant at the time of Jesus, you'd know what it was that he was saying. Because when you got a bill, when you got an invoice, when you got any record of a transaction, when the thing was paid in full, the word written on that document was tetelestai. Paid in full. Transaction completed everything has been paid for. It's a specific word, it's a particular word, it's a word that is chosen by Jesus so that for all eternity we know something that is of inestimable value, something that is of such significance that it changes the world and the trajectory of humanity forever earlier in this passage last week we looked at what it was that Pilate was saying it wasn't last week it was the week before what it was that Pilate was saying as he as it were dealt with this internal struggle the Jewish authorities wanted Jesus dead Pilate wanted to set him free, but they were threatening insurrection, they were threatening urban unrest, and because he was a Jewish leader, a a, a Roman leader, he was kind of congenitally afraid of riots and urban unrest. That was the thing that they were most concerned about in their empire. And so eventually they convinced him that if he let Jesus go, it would be really bad for him, and really bad for His situation and really bad for the circumstances that he had to oversee as the Roman governor. And so he gave them what it was that they wanted. But when he brought Jesus out after he had flogged Jesus and after the soldiers had mocked Jesus and and dressed him in a purple robe and placed upon his head a, a crown of thorns... In the hope, perhaps, that seeing how much Jesus had suffered already, they would say that's enough. He says, here is the man. The crowd, incited by the religious elite, call out, crucify. Jesus is again examined by Pilate, but says very little. Pilate eventually acquiesces and comes out almost with the final plea to the crowd now incited into a bloodlust by the leaders of their nation and says, shall I crucify your king? Here is your king. And they give him the same response. And so almost as a final act of rebellion to their wishes, Pilate ensures that there's a sign posted above the head of Jesus in every language of every person that would pass that day. In Latin, in Greek, and Aramaic Jesus, King of the Jews. What Pilate is doing with this internal struggle is revealing something enormously important. Jesus is a man, but Jesus is the King. And as such, of course, he's more than a man, he's both man and God. Now, Now, Pilate begins to really sense this when, in conversation with the Jewish authorities, he hears that they say he claimed to be the Son of God, and now he's in even more conflict. But in his conflict, it's as though God is able to squeeze from him truth that perhaps would not have been revealed otherwise. Jesus the man is now going to die a death for all humanity. Now, it's really important that we get this, because if we understand this, it's tremendously, tremendously life-transforming. Whether you're a believer, or whether as yet you're still struggling to understand what it means to believe... To understand that Jesus the man dies on behalf of all humanity means that something has been brought to a conclusion. Something has been finished. Something has been fulfilled. And what has been fulfilled and what is finished and what is concluded is the first humanity. The first humanity created by God and set over his creation has rebelled against God and turned their face away from him and whether wittingly or unwittingly have lived in a culture of alienation from him for the entirety of their history. And then onto the stage of history, God himself comes as a human being and instead of turning his face away from God in willful disobedience of of whatever it is that God is saying, Jesus turns towards God and describes him as Father, and lives the perfect life. And in living that perfect life, demonstrates that the way of humanity can be changed, that the path of humanity can be different. But the destination of alienation is death. Because we cut ourselves off from the life source of the universe. And if you do that long enough, eventually you die. And so the penalty of alienation is continued separation from God. Because that's what we're choosing. But Jesus comes and walks a different path, a a different life. And in walking that different life shows that something could begin that's different but if something that could begin that's different is actually going to happen something that exists has to end and so when Jesus says it is finished he says this is the conclusion of the one path option for humanity What's finished in this moment is the one destination. What's finished in this moment is the single penalty for all, which is death. I've finished that and now there's an option. Now there's a choice, now there's another path. And when Jesus bursts from the grave, a new person still a human being incredibly for us because we find it almost impossible to imagine but he is still God and man Jesus reveals that there is a new humanity the whole of the New Testament says that he is the very first of a new humanity that he welcomes to himself that he says is now connected to God that they know as Father. They are now in a single family of a new humanity that's on a new path. Yes, physically, you'll have to leave that old body behind, but now you have a new spirit within you. Now you have a new life within you and that new life will continue and the new humanity will be revealed. And when Jesus returns, you will be clothed in a new body like his resurrected body. And the good news will be completed in what it is that's begun by Jesus offering his life on the cross to end the one path that is offered to humanity which is alienation and death. Now if you've not heard this before, then listen carefully. Whatever you've done that separates you from God or people, whatever you've thought, whatever it is that in your natural tendency to turn away from God, whatever it is, It has been paid for in full. And there's nothing that you need to do to enhance that, to make that better, or to somehow enact that in your life. What you have to do is to recognize it and receive it by faith in the knowledge that the thing that you could never do has been done for you. Amen. It's been done for you. Now even even spiritual people, even Christians find this difficult to come to terms with because you know they've been trained in the need to gain other people's approval by doing good things. but here's the thing: God already shows that he approves of you by dying for you. And that means that you don't have to do anything to gain his approval from this moment on. You live in the knowledge and the celebration of what Jesus did for everyone once and for all. And it changes everything. It means that you and I are free from that constant feeling that we've got to be better that constant pressure inside that tells us that we're, we're supposed to be better people and that if we're better people, we'll be received by God more fully. No. Yes, of course, it's good to be a better person. Yes, of course, it's good to allow the impulse to grow and develop into your potential with God. But his attitude towards you can never change. He loves you. And he's shown that love for you by sending his son to pay the penalty in full once and forever. And when Jesus made that cry, tetelestai, that was the declaration that it was true. And if you receive that, then you choose to be part of the new humanity. Will you struggle? Yeah, if you're like me every day. Will it be that some days you think, wow, I can can barely believe what it is that God's done. Well, it's still true whether you can barely believe it or not. It's called good news. And the reason it's called good news is because it's exactly that. And so, whether you before this day believed it or not, the call today from Jesus is this believe that it is finished. Live every day as today is the day of new beginning. Because Jesus concluded the story of the old humanity and I'm part of the new humanity. Yeah? Now it may be, it may be that in the quiet of the time that we share in communion, that you, in remembering Jesus, make a fresh intention in your heart today to believe for the first time or to believe for the 10,000th time that today is a new beginning, a new path, a path that you've chosen to be part of the new humanity. And if that's true of you, then just allow the spirit to make that real for you today as we. Should.